0: With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go back out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by our friend Jeremy Rutherford. He's a Blues insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. Joins us each and every Tuesday here on the show. JR, how you doing, man? Doing well, Mr. Vacation Boy. Uh, well, seriously, right? I'm officially back. I, uh, I'm i going to be back for the long haul now, much to the chagrin of some of our listeners. Uh, you, however, have not been on vacation and instead wrote a fantastic piece yesterday on the Blues owner, Tom Stillman. And you were able to discuss some things with him. What was your biggest takeaway from that conversation, JR? Uh, what would you say that our listeners definitely need to know about our, your conversation with Blues owner Tom Stillman?
1: Yeah, guys, it's just that, you know, in knowing Tom, I think I go back to 08, 09, when he started coming around blues practices as a minority owner, uh, he's just down to earth. Like he loves to be at the rink. He loves to watch practice. You know, he's not hands-on. He's not in meetings with Doug trying to decide things, but he loves to watch the team. And so as I spoke to him, BK, uh, Tom Stillman uh, told me that uh, when everything kind of got shut down and he's an avid hunter avid turkey hunter you know he's laying out in the woods looking for turkey thinking about how could this happen how how could the defending stanley cup champions the first time st louis has had a cup in 50 plus years uh that happens last year and now i'm laying in a in a field shooting turkey wondering when we're going to play hockey again so i think to hear his frustration and and uh how he was thinking just like the fans was the biggest takeaway and then how he just looked forward and said, okay, what can we do to salvage the rest of the season? Uh, That was interesting.
2: So, JR, the biggest thing for me when it comes to Tom Stillman is, quite honestly, it's everything he's had to do to get this team to where it is. And what I mean by that is starting out as a minority owner and then when things went south with that ownership group, putting together as much as he could to, you know, turn into the majority stakeholder, call on buddies and other people to come on board and build this culture, build this Blues team. And along the way, without even, I think, knowing it, he's created this culture. We talk about Craig Berube, Doug Armstrong, and we give credit to the players. But at the end of the day, Tom Stillman, with his attitude of, like you said, not meddling in the day-to-day things, but he's always a phone call away. No matter what, the Blues have a guy that's a phone call away. And I think it's important to identify just what sacrifices Tom makes along the way and things that he does in order to be the pioneer of this culture.
1: It is. And as I think about your question here, Riv, it's a great point. You know, I think it's who you put in place. And so Craig Berube, I'm sorry, Tom Stillman might not put the players in place. But he got that group together of local investors who were dedicated to the city, who were doing it as a civic pride, you know, not to make a buck. Uh, you know, eventually they'll make some money, sure, but that's not what their initial intentions were. And so Tom Stillman puts together that group, and then they have Doug Armstrong in place, Doug Armstrong goes and finds Craig Berube. Uh, between Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube, they put the team on the ice, and then it just happens. So I think it's a situation where, yeah, you don't you don't meddle, uh, you you don't try to get involved. Tom doesn't get involved in Doug's situation. Doug, you know, for the most part, doesn't get involved in the coaching staff. The coaching staff. You know, they control the players. It's just everybody working together, and you're right. It starts at the top.
0: We're talking with Jeremy Rutherford, Blues Insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at jp Rutherford. So that culture is now going to be with them up in Edmonton. They have their first practice on the ice up there yesterday. I know you were able to talk with some of the guys afterwards. What, what was your biggest takeaway? How do the guys feel about their current situation up in the bubble?
1: Yeah, I think it's a situation where they just don't know what to expect. I mean, they know it's going to be unique. They know it's going to be different. Um, They know that probably in a week or two weeks, it'll feel semi-comfortable. But I think yesterday, uh, you know, they flew up there Sunday. So flying up there Sunday and then having that first practice yesterday, I'm sure it feels like hockey to them. You know, you're at the uh, practice facility up there. They do that all the time. Uh, You've been in training camp for two weeks. um, So things feel normal. You know, you get to the room and – You know, you're used to being on the road, but these road trips are (laughs) just three, four, five, six days, you know, max. And so now it's a situation where you look at the calendar and and you you think you might be there two, two and a half months. I don't think that's probably set in yet. That'll probably take a while. Uh, But uh, some friendly reminders. I know some of the teams, including the Blues, uh, they have some pictures, some notes from family members, wives, kids. Troy Brower was one that put something on social media that said, you know, just what a nice touch to walk into his room and see a note from his kids and, and a picture. So they're going to do as much as they can, guys, to make this feel like home. Um, but uh, I think it's just going to take, like Tom said in the article yesterday, just a very, very strong mindset to get through
2: this. Well, if anybody has that, I think our St. Louis Blues do, and certainly Craig Berube and his staff as well have proven it in uh, in the playoffs last year. But, JR, uh look, first practice yesterday up in the bubble, first practice for the entire team they got oscar sunquist back on the ice and they finally got mr vince dunn back on the ice um you know in your opinion and maybe some feedback from the coaching staff is how do how did the team look overall how is sunquist feeling and you know let's be honest how far behind is vince dunn right now
1: yeah, all good points here. So they did have the first uh, practice. Vince Dunn hadn't practiced in 10 days. You know, we would uh, like to believe that was a positive COVID test since he missed exactly the 10 days, and now he's back and, and okay. Uh, but everybody on the ice, first of all, let's touch on that. Craig Berube said that he thought the practice was great. Guys, I was at the camp all last week. All the practices looked good, up-tempo. Guys are into it, uh, talking, everything. So uh, no surprise that the practice went well. Oscar Sundquist, for those who might have missed that, uh, was shaken up in the second-to-last practice and uh, missed the Blues' final day before going to Edmonton. But he was on the ice yesterday and uh, seemingly fine. As far as Vince Dunn, to me, that's kind of the bigger question. Here's a guy who's missed 10 days. And what do you do? So he practiced in the, in the second group yesterday, not with the main guys. And Craig Bruby said afterwards it'll probably be Wednesday before Vince Dunn gets in the main group. Well, they play an exhibition game on Wednesday, and they play a round-robin game on Sunday. How fast can you get Vince Dunn up to speed? For the time being, it's Justin Falk on that left side and Robert Bortuzzo on the right side in that third pair. So I think they're just going to have to go touch and go uh, in these practices until they feel Vince re- uh, Dunn is ready.
0: It's interesting you bring up that round-robin game because if Vince Dunn is, let's say, 80% ready to go for that game, is that a situation where you just you, you take him out there? I guess my question really is, Jr., how seriously are they going to take these round-robin games? I know they play into seeding, but seeding's a little different this time around than it is in a typical postseason.
1: Yeah, Vince Dunn, that's my main question, is does he have to earn his way back in the lineup? He's a fixture on that left side in the third pair, but they've been practicing for 10 days without him. So does it take – do they get through the exhibition game? Do they play a a round-robin game without him before he's up to speed and then play? And, you know, what if the team looks great in that round-robin game? Do you even try to work Vince Dunn in there? I don't want to take away anything from him. He's a great player. He's part of this group. Uh, but he's been out for a long time, so uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. And then how seriously do they take these round-robin games? Craig Berube said yesterday on the uh, uh, Zoom report with uh, the, the reporters, he said that uh, we want to win all the games. I want my main team out there for Wednesday's exhibition against the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, it doesn't sound like coach speak. He's a guy who does want to win his games. It's not like they're going to sit anybody out in the round-robin. Uh, this is going to help determine seating. You're talking about a Blues team that could have won the Western conference and had that number one seed. And now there's a chance if a Vegas or a Dallas gets on a roll in that round Robin, they could be the top seed and the blues are, you know, fourth playing the number five seed in the first round. So you have to take these games seriously. I just don't think we'll see the atmosphere that we saw uh, throughout the four rounds last year until the blues get into that first round.
2: Yeah, I would agree. And uh, listen, Jr. I love Chief to death and and Army as well. But if they're trying to sell us uh, a bill of goods saying that they don't care about this round robin, there's no way. Chief doesn't know. Chief doesn't know the word lose, right? So trust right. me, they're going to take that very seriously. Um, now, my last question that I have is: Last week, J- Jaden Schwartz said something interesting that you know. It's great to have the line back together, but you know they're still not where they are pleased with the chemistry just yet. I'm just wondering if Craig Berube or anybody from the Blues players uh, mentioned that if you know that's progressing at all. Does Tarasenko, Shannon, Schwartz look closer to being what they were last year?
1: Yeah, he likes the line, and, you know, honestly, it it was like two weeks of practice. I thought they looked good. Obviously, they can tell you particulars about what's working and what's not working a lot better uh, than I could. I mean, we all knew it was going to take some time, right? And they haven't even played an exhibition game, so I'd probably like to see how they look in this exhibition game on Wednesday, but the Blues seem pretty set on these uh, line combinations. They've run the same ones for two weeks now, and, you know, they like Zach Sanford with uh, O'Reilly and Perron, so I know you're not asking about changing them up. You're just asking, how do they look? Uh, You know, Tarasenko has Hasn't played since October. We can talk uh, on and on about how good he looks and uh, and how good the rest of the team looks. Uh, But you're right; it does take take some time to to rediscover that chemistry with the lines, and perhaps, uh, like Jaden said, it's going to take a little bit longer.
0: The Blues officially back on the ice for their first exhibition game tomorrow night. Blues versus Blackhawks. We'll have pregame with Alex Ferrario coming up at 4:30 tomorrow. So, the first game back officially for the Blues tomorrow night. JR is going to be covering that. You can find his work over on The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at JP Rutherford. JR, we always appreciate the time, my man. We'll talk with you next week, okay?
1: Anytime. Thanks a lot, guys.